From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob. Rejoice and be glad in it, and we're glad to be looking across our interview table at Jennifer Campbell. Jennifer, good day. Hi, how are you? Good to have you with us. Yeah, and in person. In person. Crazy. Yeah, it's it's been hasn't been years, but it's been it's, been it's just been such, a bit. such off and on things between <laughs> COVID and other things. But uh, yes. wonderful to see you. Uh, a great uh, event coming up. But yes. let's just run through a few of the great events in September that. Yeah, I know that was a very busy month for you, but but everything just it went along out. swimmingly. It went smoothly. Went, yes, swimmingly. That's the word I was trying to say. It two words <laughs> at the same time. Um, yeah, so we had on fire, which is our um, high school and young adult event at Six Flags. Um, we had a great turnout, and we had the most perfect weather, um, which I think makes the whole day even better. Um, about 10 degrees cooler in Vallejo than in the valley. Yeah, and we've had days at On Fire where it feels like we are on fire, Yeah, um, like physically, because it, it, it can just, the sun will just beat right down right. on you. But the cloud cover stayed covering the sun so that nobody was being blinded by it during mass. Right. And then it just cleared up, but it still stayed cool. It was great. <laughs> That's Sorry to go on about the weather, but we've had extremes well, and on you, fire. You've ha- even had rain a time we've or two. We've even had rain. But you figure mid-September, you probably won't get rain, and you probably won't, but yeah. once in a while. Once in a while. Um, we had great speakers. Um, the music was wonderful. Um, we had some surprise guests that um, our MC um, Joe Melendrez, brought in, so that was that was fun. Um, we had Bishop Cotta got to see getting to see him again for mm-hmm. all of us in the Diocese of Sacramento. We were just all the staff. We were so excited, you know. He's now the uh, Bishop of Stockton. Stockton. It's not that we don't love Bishop Soto, but he's you know it's like going to see that favorite uncle. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was nice to have him there. Um, and and Bishop Mugenborg from um, Reno was Reno. also mm-hmm. there. So we had three bishops with us. Um, the mass was great. The um, s- Father. Um, our homilist, whose name is uh, totally escaping me at the moment, um, but he challenged the the teens that were there to go to confession. We had priests for confession, mm-hmm. and man, oh man, did they. Wow. There was a steady line of young people for confession all day, to the point, like, at certain at some points, like, myself and a few other people were like, hey, guys, have you not, have you had your lunch yet? If you haven't had your lunch yet, like, have somebody hold your spot, go get your food, <laughs> come back <laughs> come to back. the line, right? Um, so we... D- it was that was really great to see, yeah, you know, in the middle of a yeah. park, these kids. And at a certain point, we were able to just like, literally, just like, "Hey, Father, can you please go an extra half an hour? Please, like, help us out." And at one point, I think we had five priests here in confession, oh, very good at a time, which was not w- our norm. Is you know, one, two or three um, priests is how what we sign up. So it was just really pulling them, like, "Please, we need your help." And out they all came through. So. That was really nice too. Wow! Um, great. So it was a really good day. Well, how can you reward them? An extra ride on the. <laughs> on the I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and our seminarians from Sacramento were also mm-hmm. in attendance. We had a great vocations carnival. The vocation directors were all very happy with the conversation. So what happens at the carnival? Uh, what? It's basically like we call it a carnival, but it's basically um, an, a chance for um, young people to speak with. Um, priests and 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 nuns and sisters um, and brothers to you know to learn about what it is their what their vocation is so we have a game so it becomes a little less like awkward to like walk up to them Mm -hmm. you know like teenagers can be a little awkward um so we do have that the game to kind of do you have hawkers and hey you some you can win this game i'm I'm not gonna lie some (laughs) of the some of the vocation directors do get that tone a little bit, but they're just inviting them over to, you know, they have prizes and swag items yeah. from their orders, which is always fun. Um, we, you know, there's there's sisters and, and, and priests, and so it's from diocese and orders, um, so it's just an opportunity. And for young people to, to meet, like, 
we have orders that we don't necessarily that don't necessarily work in our diocese, right? So like the um, the Daughters of Charity, mm-hmm. they're they're clo- I think their closest house is in the Diocese of San Jose, but they come every year. Um, their vocational director, Sister Lisa. I'll Lina. bet people really want to talk to them. They're lovely. Yeah. They're just lovely. Um, so we we you know we we really do have that opportunity for kids to just hear from different orders. Like, what is their charism? Even know that there are different orders, and even yeah. understand that mm-hmm. like that there is a difference between a diocesan priest right. and a Jesuit. And, and I a think a lot of people growing up, I know me when I was growing up, I wouldn't I wouldn't have known that distinction. Well, how could you? you unless just they're habited, Father right. Dignan. You know that was right. it. Right. Unless right. they're a, they're an order that's ha- that wears a habit right. that's different than a diocesan priest, right. or you know, then how would you? Like you wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, they're and they're we didn't have a Catholic school, so we right. didn't have <laughs> nuns. We didn't. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's an opportunity for kids to see to see and to see priests and and sisters and out in the wild for lack of a better term like and even like learn the word charism and, and what does that mean what does that and, mean yeah. what is that what mm-hmm. does that look like for you right um so that that was a, it was a good day for that too um yeah and then packed all that up headed back to sacramento dropped it off got a little rest and got ready for ministry days which started the following friday um so we had a schools day on friday and then on Saturday was our traditional day mm-hmm. with everyone um, with everyone welcome. Um, the schools day on Friday, we also had a retreat that happened mm-hmm. at the same time. And we had over 100 people register wow. for the retreat. And it's the first time we'd ever done that. So How did you run the retreat? So we ran the retreat in English and Spanish. There were at St. Francis? At St. Francis using their the chapel and the Campus Life um, Center. Mm-hmm. So... And the three speakers that we had for that were um, Catherine Aguilo, Armando Cervantes, and uh, it was it was supposed to be Father Agostino, but he had an emergency, so um, he got two people to cover for him, one in English, one in Spanish. And so the speakers just switched between the rooms, and and the rest of the day they kind of followed a similar schedule to what the the teachers schedule the school schedule was. Lunch at the same time. They joined us for mass. They joined everyone. Joined for mass with bishop at the end of the day, um, and then the teachers left. And then there was one more round of session for the for the retreat people, um, and it was it was focused on hospitality and the Eucharist. How the Eucharist is calling us in this Eucharistic revival year, calling us for to radical hospitality. So that was the kind of the theme. Um, running through those three, the three mm-hmm. talks that they had. Um, and then on Saturday, Catherine was our keynote, and that was, again, what she was focusing on, that idea of radical hospitality and what this revival is calling us to. Um, I like that term, radical hospitality. Well, it's, call, you know, this this idea of, like, yes, we are, we are being called to, like, receive the sacraments at more and understand them and to you know, sit and adore at times, but that adoration is calling us to more. And that adoration um, hopefully is calling us to hospitality, to to invite others to do and pray with you just like you're doing. Right. Um, and so I think that really came through her talk um, and then f- workshops galore, of course. <laughs> and we ended that day again with Bishop Soto. Do you, have, do you have workshops that you have to say, we're sorry, that's full? We did not this year. Um, we were able to move them around to different meeting spaces so that that didn't happen. But yeah, in the past, for sure. Who was it? It was Father. Um, hmm. uh, was was doing the uh, well, former president of Gonzaga. Um, oh my goodness! And he was doing it on. Sh- he, he was keynoting, but he also was did a workshop on Shroud of Turin, I believe. Was it uh, Robert? Oh somebody i thought it was father deck maybe no i i'm i'm, I'm embarrassed that i forgot <laughs> the name he's he's down in orange county now i believe oh yeah i'm not sure who it yeah. is but yeah no i mean so sometimes yeah workshops do fill up and and then we just i'm sorry like if you would like to stand um that happens every once in a while um there's speakers that people don't realize they all want to hear and then yeah. they all suddenly want to hear it and yeah it's like well they i this is what we got. <laughs> you can stand in the back of the room. That's all I got for you. Um, 
especially if you didn't pre-register. So yeah. this year they got to pick their workshops. So people were really happy with their workshops. Um, overall, I think it like it was helpful to have workshops. We really try to make them practical for people. So then they go back to their parish or to their domestic church. They're back in those communities and can can best serve. Yeah. Wow. It was September. Do you was know full. if all county, uh, all twenty counties, were represented? You know, I don't. <laughs> I really don't. But I remember I one year when I presented. I, I, I guarantee there were all twenty counties just in that one room. It was amazing. The, I mean, I'm it's from Wairika. It from is Red possible. Bluff. Yeah. We did have people definitely from the North State that come down, um, from Wairika and Redding and Red Bluff, um, Anderson, of course, um, all that area is everyone down right there they just drive down the five and they're right there yeah. they're there right there with us so yeah wow <laughs> and that was your september that was my september yep mm -hmm. <laughs> and, then, and so then you fast. put your feet up and <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> well i mean then we got to get ready for fired up which is coming well, I, I gotta figure some at some point after uh on fire you all get together and put your heads together and say, what do we do right? What do we do wrong? What can we do better? What can we do different? A yeah. And do the same thing after ministry days, too. Yeah. Which is how you plan the next one. Yep, pretty much. That is pretty much how we do it. Um, some of it's um, this, especially this next year with with um, with On Fire, it's going to be our 15th anniversary. So we're trying to decide, like, what do we want to bring back? Who do we want to bring back that we, that has spoken in the past? Um who who's new we want to invite like what are some things we want to highlight on this anniversary year um and it being the you know that it'll be just after the eucharistic revival ends so i, I think if i've got that timing right um so you know how do we want to incorporate that um yeah it's it's just it it doesn't really stop like <laughs> we just keep chucking along and getting the next the next thing ready um while trying to honor what we just did um, yeah. and making note of like what are some things that we might need to adjust you know we've been doing especially you know 15 years of on fire it it runs like a fairly well-oiled machine at this point um, and that's that's good and bad because we can easily get complacent and so it's something like every year trying to find what's the new thing we want to try or what do we want to how do we want to advertise something or push something with with adults and or with teens or what do we what do we want to try next I, does, is anybody uh, father robert spitzer that's the name that's it yep, I can, <laughs> yep. used to be the president of gonzaga yes well, i used to have on the program <laughs> right during the ncaa basketball tournament and <laughs> we talk about gonzaga's chances good man a very good man um but i think he he presented one time he did on uh, in addition to keynoting I think he talked about the Shroud of Turin. He's fascinated with that, that one, uh, yeah. at, at a workshop, and it just, just. I'm sure it was full. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> fascinating guy. So, are, are there other places do a, do like a Six Flags event? Other, other dioceses? To, is it, I mean, that sounds almost unique to me. Um, it is fairly unique, especially because it's not one di like we are the lead diocese on it because somebody has to take the lead well yeah it's more than sacramento but it's not all nine, nine yeah, dioceses yeah. are participating so right. it's unique in that regard um and you know there is at two other six flags there is a similar event that that happens in socal and something that happens in i think it's in texas probably the, texas the main yeah. one in texas yeah. um those are run by life team um so oh, not okay. something where it's a okay. collaboration in this regard like that right. like where the dioceses are pulling together um, so no, I mean it is it's pretty unique and it's what makes the event special. Um, the because the flavor of every diocese is different, <laughs> and yeah, so that's true. finding a way to find speakers and musicians um, that pull all of that together and honor each diocese is something we really do strive to do. So and this was the fifteenth, is that right? No, next year will be the fifteenth. Next year will be the fifteenth. Wow. Yeah. Did you you did you lose one or two during COVID? We technically did not so in 2020 we pivoted to an a year of online events so okay. instead of having an in-person event and then in 21 we were able to come back because it's all outdoor yeah as soon as amusement lot. parks open we were able to open yeah. it and so we've 
yeah, we, we kind of missed one, I guess you could say, in 2020, but not really. Um, we were still running similar events, and um, I'm excited to say I've been all fi- I've been all 14 so far. So, <laughs> which um, somebody else in my office cannot say, even though he cr- he kind of created it. So, um, it's something that like we, you know, I really am excited to go. Like I love this event, and it's something that brings a lot of joy to people and and great memories and I just have like the youth that I brought the first two years like some I'm still connected with some of them especially on social media and like to just know that like their faith got like spurred at this event Mm -hmm. like I know that it did and um Uh, you know especially in the teenage years it's so important to to know that your peers share your faith share Mm -hmm. that you're not sort of alone in it yeah Something we talk about a lot in our office is like, is this a moment of evangelization or is this a moment of like catechesis? Like what is what is the the point, right? What is the what's the reasoning? And I really like for me on fire, it's it's pre evangelization. Mm-hmm. It's that I if you're going through like the right the RCA process, like it's that moment before you enter, right? Like that's what that's what we're offering these kids is pre evangelization where they have a moment to like really sit with each other. And and learn from like see what other people are doing and see something new in their faith like you know not everyone has a strong devotion to adoration right and we have adoration at this event not everyone you know likes a specific type of music or likes mass Donis this mm-hmm. way right mm-hmm. and so it's an opportunity for everyone to see all the different things wow. So, yeah, just taking a look at all those rides, I think, would send me to confession. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not a ride person. Well, that's not true. But I don't usually go on rides while during during on fire. Just is not an opportunity for that. But, yeah, no, I get. But this year, the other thing that was really cool was there's a new general manager at the park. um, And all of the roller coasters were actually operating. Yeah, you said that. You know, I, I know just uh, you go on a random day to any amusement park. Something is not working. Something's not working. And he has been able, which is just impressive, yeah. just been able to get all the rides going. So that gave even, like, more, you know, enjoyment to kids and to, like, even the kids, please. Also, all of the chaperones. There is a lot sure. of, like... <laughs> Roller coaster loving chaperones. So who who are chaperoning the parents or some of it's parents, youth ministers, volunteers of the parishes, mm-hmm. young adults that help with youth ministry or catechists, whoever. Yeah. I have to ask you, how was the all you can eat lunch? I mean, I enjoyed it. I had my burger. It's mm-hmm. good. <laughs> I mean, at that. What, point what else of the do day, they have on the all you can eat lunch? Um, usually, let's see. I'm trying to remember. There's burgers, hot dogs. Um. Ice cream sandwiches, soda, and watermelon. Trying pasta. to figure out how many pockets I have. And pasta. <laughs> there's usually, I can't remember if I saw it this year because I'm not a fan, but there's like pasta salad or mm. potato, some kind yep. of something like that. Um, and then there's a veggie option if people are skinny Kay. or choose not to. Choose <laughs> not to, yeah. Yeah, so it's there's plenty of food for everyone. <laughs> I don't think anyone went away hungry. I just don't want to eat it too early before those rides. Uh, too, too, <laughs> I mean, right before the rides. No, you do not. It's like going eat. swimming after. You, you need to you give, it, give it some time. Well, you know, that's what the line is for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, and and so next year, you're already thinking about speakers and, uh-huh. yeah. Already thinking about it, planning it. Started that last week, actually. You're going to add another diocese in there? I don't think who's, so. Who's left? Let's see, Las Vegas. I mean, I guess we can invite like Oregon, but you uh, could, you can indict. Well, the the weird Baker. part about Oregon is is it's divided north south. Not no. you don't have a southern diocese there. Yeah, they they both both dioceses yeah. run the length of the Baker state. Baker and Portland. Baker and Portland. Yeah. Yeah. So. so I don't know who we'd invite. But I mean, part of you know, I think Medford's in the Portland diocese, and Klamath Falls is probably in the Baker diocese, and and they're just across the border. I they're think you're they're. Right. Uh, Almost as close as Wairika. I mean, Ashland might be closer. Ashland be a little closer than Medford. True. Yeah. True. But yeah, we could we could expand it. Um, You're a na- not a native of Ashland, but you went to school there. I sure did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's lots of different ways that we could we could possibly grow the event, um, and I you know we're trying to come up with ideas in that with that regard as well. Very good. Very good. And now, 
heading into November. Heading into November. Yeah. October, luckily, was kind of a sleeper month for me, so. <laughs> Pro-life month, the month of the rosary. Yes. Uh, a, a lot happening. A lot happening, but not a lot on my plate. Uh, you know, right. Not a lot on my plate right. for October. But right around the corner, yes. November the 4th, mm-hmm. receive a retreat for women. Yeah. And this is a first. First time that we've done this and from our department, we're hosting a women's retreat. Um, Mari Pablo is who spoke it on fire in 2022. I remember interviewing her. Very yes, impressive. She yeah. and she actually did the fired ups that we did on the two we had to do virtually. She was our speaker. The fired up uh, uh, the c- confirmation. confirmation. Yeah. yeah, she was our, our keynote for those as well. Um, and she speaks around the country about theology of the body and the feminine genius. And so. I had her coming out for Fired Up, which is up in the North State on the 5th, and I was like, we've got a day. What can we do? And thought, what a better way than having a retreat for women, just a one day. Take mm-hmm. a Saturday for yourself and come and just spend time with other women um, and talking about like our identity as a child of God, mm-hmm. um, as daughters of God. Um, and the the idea that she's, when we've spoken to her about it, is the the word that kept coming to mind was the word receive. How Mm -hmm. are we receiving that love? How are we receiving that gift? Um, And so that's the focus of the retreat. We'll have time in adoration. Um, We're at a parish, so if you want to stay after the retreat, that their mass will be their weekend, Saturday Saturday mass. Saturday evening mass. Yeah, Yeah, will be happening. The vigil mass will be happening. Um, It's at St. Maria Gritty Parish in Elk Grove. And uh, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. So uh, probably All vigil day. mass is around five, yes. five-ish probably. Um, dinner, or not dinner, lunch will be provided um, as well as morning hospitality um, with the day. And, you know, it's, it is, it's $50 for the day. Um, and you can, and I would recommend women bringing their friends with them, bring a friend or two. Is always it's always better when you have your friends with you. Just like when I'm talking about summer camp, I yep. always explain that <laughs> it's always a little more fun if at least you have one friend with you that you already know. Um, and so it's just a day to like step back and focus on <laughs> your relationship with God, not necessarily um, a time where you're having to, you know, worry about carpools and like step away, <laughs> take the day, right? Um, and so that's that's kind of that's what we why we thought to do this. And if you don't have a friend, Jennifer Jennifer will be your friend. I will be your friend. I will be there for sure. I, I mean I, I have to be there, but I'm excited to be there actually. I'm really excited. Um I'm gonna be hosting the day, but I'm also get to just be a participant for good. So part so of what it. do you mean by that phrase, the feminine feminine genius? So it's just it the how we define what it is to be a, what it is to be a woman. Mm-hmm. So what what it means, what is special, what is unique about femininity, about being a woman, and that's the that's what we're talking about. Like it is unique, it is different, um, not better or worse, um, but different. And I think that that idea of um, the feminine genius comes from that. That like it's all connect, it's all interconnected. But how are we different? And that's yeah. I, I, you know, you sometimes you you hear people say, "Well, how come women can't be a priest or be in?" A, my my basic answer, not, not necessarily to that question, but as to the role of women in the church. It just uh, let's remember that our Savior was brought into the world by a woman. You know exactly. You know, we can't get much better than that. <laughs> think that's true and i think we get sometimes we get lost in the weeds yep um with some of this and i i I don't know that that's necessarily helpful no (laughs) for anyone involved right um and so i think that's that's part of the like recognizing the what makes us all unique Mm -hmm. um i mean i think that there's a lot of times when people are like you know women can do just the same things that men can do and while that may be true um it doesn't if I say that it, that that yes they can, but they're going to do it differently, it doesn't make one way better and one way worse. No, exactly. And I think that's the like what makes it difficult when we talk about mm-hmm. like femininity is that right. it's like oh well if you're like even using that term femininity, like people mm-hmm. get like their ire up. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm suddenly <laughs> saying women are weak, and that's not what I'm saying at all. I think women are strong. I think men are strong, just strong in different ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're all gifted by the creator 
Yeah. And we're all, yeah. and even among like a group of men and a group of women, like we alone, they're all gifted differently and it's all going to look differently in how you take on a project. A group of men are not all going to take on the project the same way. The group of women are not all going to take on <laughs> that individual project the same way. We do the, we, we do it based on how we're, we were gifted and what our gifts are. Some of us are great organizers and some of us are great in front of a crowd, you know, and some of us can do both of those things, but not everyone can. And that's okay. And that's part of it. So speaking of, you've mentioned summer camp. Mm-hmm. It's only October. I know. What day but is it? <laughs> summer camp is coming up. It sure is. And you, you always, you must always have that in the back of your mind. I do. I do. I mean, I, I have to figure out when I'm what's going to happen for this summer. So, you know, I we do these events during the year and it helps me stay connected. But I the, the summer camp is always in the back of my mind. Um, we're going to start hiring soon, very soon within the next. I remember last hopefully year, two weeks. You, you, you say, I, I need to I still need a cook or I still need a something. I'm, it yeah, always happens, but it always happens. But we're hopefully going to start hire start hiring process at least um in the next couple weeks and um i am in currently trying to hire a um, caretaker facility supervisor is the position title um for up at camp pandola so it'd be somebody who lives up at camp during the year too year round Mm -hmm. um and and they they're paid um i think we budgeted at 30 hours a week but Mm -hmm. so um, but that includes housing, and so we are still looking for that position. But yeah, we're starting to plan for summer. Like, w- I have a meeting set in the next two weeks to start figuring out what we want to do, how many weeks we want to have, um, how we're going to make it look this year, what improvements we're working on. Um, I've been meeting with um, <laughs> people upstairs to figure out what how what we can do and what improvements we want to make and yeah just it's never ending it just because it ha- it can't like it's so funny when you're a camp director people are like so what do you do the rest of the year mm. like <laughs> not i just get manicures and eat bonbons <laughs> no like summer camp like you're constantly planning for sure. the next the next season the next week the next ever so go back to your first camp pandola is it fairly similar to what you're planning for next year or is it quite a bit different um i'm not sure how to answer that yet i think um we just had such a uh, struggle with the number of staff we were able to get that that's going to be constantly on my mind Mm -hmm. of like how we structure what we're doing there may be things that we're eliminating this coming summer not exactly sure um yet what those might be but um there are definitely things we want to add we want to add um you know some more free time for the campers you realize that we heavily unintentionally but also and like with the best of intentions sure just overly programmed mm-hmm. um that's easy to do it's easy to do because you just you want them to have all these experiences right? right they come up to camp and you want it and so i think um, just in talking to some other camp directors, I actually had um, a camp director or a former camp director come and, and do a tour with me at camp. And, like, we walked around and saw what we could do, what we could improve, and talked about our programming. And, you know, that was something he said, like, you know, free time. You've got to put some in there. So um, I think, you know, adding things like that, uh, being more intentional about Mm-hmm. items like that um, being more intentional about prayer with the with who's leading it the kids try um they just oh it's like it's we do morning and evening prayer and the kids lead it um and they do a great job but how you know how can we better prepare them things mm-hmm. like that um what activities do we like do we want to try to eliminate or because kids just didn't like them or this year you know and right and what can we do to um, kind of engage new families? Because I, you know, camp's been around for 64, it'll be 64 years this year. And the kids are different. Like they're just different. They are different than they were six years ago. They're different than when I started in, let's see, seven, eight years ago now. Um, The kids are just different. And, Yes, part of it is COVID maybe. Part of it is the 
changing family structures. Like there's lots of things that are causing kids to just be different than they were. Um, But so how do we attract them and help them recognize the importance of spending time outside, the importance of all of that, because, you know, child psychologists are constantly going on like the today show or whatever. And they're talking about that importance of, you know, stepping outside, how it grounds you um, into your life and helps calm anxiety and calm stress. I know like I feel it when I'm there and like camp is stressful as the camp director. Sure. But if I can take a few moments and just like stand outside, you know, (laughs) even with kids around and just like breathe that in, there is something that's peaceful about it and it's grounding. And I think that's important. So finding ways to create more of those experiences for for young people is is something we think about as we plan for the next year and how we change up the schedule and change up you know what we're doing the how we're doing things what we're serving like what we're what are the meals we're serving how are we going to change those up there's some that you got to keep you can't get rid of grilled cheese tomato soup but you know can we add like more salad bar can we add i don't know few things popped in my head <laughs> but like how do we how can we adjust things and still keep the like heart of camp um the same and can we do more things outside can we move activities around so they're not always in the same spaces and things like that well with kids kids as you say being different is it harder to get counselors it is yeah oh for sure um and i feel like that's industry-wide um just in talking to other camp directors and looking at articles that are coming out from the American Camping Association. Um, yeah, just it's just harder to get young adults, um, college age, just graduating from high school, to take to take the job for the summer. Um, you know, not always recognizing the like benefit of it. Yeah. And so it's it's selling them to come. Um, and then it's selling kids that, you know, want to come to camp to be there. You know, we need to have more we need more counselors so we can offer the opportunity for more kids and i think there's so many people that are you know that'll come to me and they're like oh well we'll scholarship this or we'll you know we'll donate for this and i'm like that's great but like i can't really have that another camper which Mm -hmm. i appreciate until i get more staff Yeah. yeah um so it's it's this weird balancing act of yes i want every kid to have the opportunity to come to camp but I want them to have the opportunity to come to camp safely. And when I don't have enough staff, can't do it. It's it's just hard to it's very challenging. And so yes, we need to get more staff. And so if anybody's got a kid or a grandkid <laughs> that can that's in college or about to graduate, start planting that idea now. And they get them. paid. They're not volunteers. They're not volunteers. And last year we paid for like our base, which was, you know, first year was five seventy eight a week. Yeah, and they get they get, they get a, f- a couple of days off. They right? get a couple of days off every week. Every week, so every week where they can actually go home. Yeah, and every day they get two to two and a half hours off. Plus, every week they're off from Friday about six thirty ish until noon on Sunday. On Sunday, plus free pine cones. Plus free pine cones, yeah. snow cones once a week, <laughs> and root beer floats on Fridays. Oh wow! That I die. mean. What where do I, where do I sign for? up? <laughs> a root beer float on Friday. Um, yeah. yeah, but those are those are the things like, yeah, so it just needs staff and encouraging young people to to want to like give this time. Um, they're trained, they get certif- certified and like they can be a certified lifeguard and that's something we pay for. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just harder and harder to find. So pandola.org and, and people can find out all the information. For there. sure, pandola.org, yep. And before you go, we should get the nuts and bolts again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, receive. November 4th, the retri- uh, Receive a Retreat for Women uh, with uh, Marie Pablo? Mari. Mari, Mari Pablo. At 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. at St. Maria Goretti Parish, which is uh, 8700 Bradshaw Road in Elk Grove. You can call Jennifer at 916 733 zero one three five or uh, you can uh email her j campbell at scd.org to yeah. sign up perfect jennifer always a joy thanks so much thank you we'll take a quick break back with more on the bishop's hour right after this 
This is Deacon Kevin Stasko, the Director of the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry and Family and Faith Formation, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Welcome back. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour, and we're pleased to welcome in Angela Hassel, the Executive Director of Loaves and Fishes here in Sacramento. Angela, good day to you. Hi, Bob. It's to speak with you again. Yes, it's been a while. Uh, things are yeah. things are moving <laughs> moving right along. We're moving into winter. It's felt like winter the last few mornings. Um, and oh my gosh, it certainly has. We've already had a sort of a major rainstorm a couple of Sundays ago, and uh, um, that must really affect what you're trying to do there at Loaves and Fishes dramatically. I would think. Yeah, you know, that rain was uh, not, it wasn't anticipated to be quite as intense as it was, and so it really caught a lot of folks who are living outside now off guard. Yeah, it was supposed to be maybe a, a brief shower and turned into an mm -hmm. all-day downpour. It was, it was wild. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a lot of folks that kind of got stuck out in the rain and a lot of, a lot of buggy shoes and boats on Monday morning. Um, so we, you know, did our best to make sure everybody that needed one got a hot shower, got some dry clothes, dry shoes, we had them, um, and then, then a good solid meal. So hopefully, hopefully they've recovered by now because we're getting ready for that kind of thing here soon. Yeah. So what, I've not, I've noticed, uh, many places where there used to be the homeless one day they're there and the next day they're not, uh, you know, being cleared, yeah. but no evidence of where those people that were living on the street. And I'm talking about downtown, midtown Sacramento area, um, or, or at least the, you know, peripheral streets to, to, to Broadway, like X and W some of those streets where, uh, where did they go? I don't believe they all got That's housed. Really, no, no, they they probably didn't. Um, and that's that's a great question that I don't know that that anybody has a valid answer to right now because um, you know, kind of when these sweeps happen, what we're hearing is that a lot of folks are told that there's not necessarily anywhere that they go; they just can't be where they are. Right. So, kind of the the you know you you can't be here, but you got to go. Yeah, I saw some, uh, uh, I think, police so, cars and maybe public works uh -huh. trucks or something, you know, having to give the, uh, can't be pleasant for the the campers, and it certainly can't be pleasant for the people having to tell them that, uh, you know, you got to go. Yeah, I don't think anybody is, is really satisfied with this kind of thing where we are now. Um, and I think that there are a lot of folks who would love there to be more opportunities and more options for people. Um, I know uh, right here, our city and our city are still on some of those things. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it ends up kind of like 100 beds here or, you know, many homes over here. And it's not it's really enough to meet the need. So a lot of folks just kind of end up wandering and then reset somewhere else and then eventually getting to move there and kind of wander a little bit more and ending somewhere else. So it's a really, they're really traveling by foot, by bicycle, whatever they can carry um, on themselves. Some people have cars and they're able to kind of be a little bit more mobile or keep a little more belongings uh, just because they have a little bit more space. But for a lot of folks, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty transient. I was in an event the other night, and they said the the estimates now in Sacramento alone are around nine to ten thousand homeless. Is that possibly accurate? Yeah, I think it is. You know, um, the last time that we did point in time count, it was over nine thousand people, and I'm not sure that we've necessarily seen the need decrease mm -hmm. since then. Um, Sacramento is planning a point in time count take place like early January, February 2024. They may have, you know, some dated numbers, some more accurate count and statistics on things in a few months here. But um, I feel like every time they do one of these counts, the numbers jump up and, and we're over 
surprised at how many people it actually is. Um, but then, you know, the need the need is great, and we're not affordable housing is not built in a in order to meet the needs that we have, and so we're just kind of we're kind of seeing people just sort of get stuck stuck in these holes of um, not being able to afford very much, and so they end up you know, just being lost for longer and longer periods of time. And that's, that's kind of the... we, where we end up at Loaves and Fishes, sort of try to, try to support folks where they are. Angela, how do they do the point-in-time counts? Yeah, uh, you know, years past, the uh, organization Sacramento Steps Forward has been with Sac State and their research institute, uh, and they would send workers out on um, one or two nights of the year that are scheduled, and they have meetings, you know, a whole year beforehand to prepare these things, and they go out with iPads or um, other devices, and they canvas the town anywhere, anywhere that there are folks staying outside. They uh, approach them and ask them if they're willing to be a part of this count. Um, and then they have a few questions and, and allow to complete a survey and kind of get more information about mm-hmm. about folks there. And then it all gets filed um, to one big report that usually gets released the following June-ish. Um, this year, I believe they are, you know, in addition to kind of like an online survey, they uh, have with another organization to kind of do it through some type of app that might help help this be a little bit more versatile of of an opportunity to folks that are out on the streets. Um, but it's a lot of volunteers doing a lot of canvassing late at night and people kind of making shifts. Um, and in the past, it's been a lot of a lot of college students who are interested in homelessness and and social work and things like that, volunteering their time to mm-hmm. go out and talk to people. So it sounds like it's quite comprehensive. It's supposed to be yes. That is that is the goal. Is that that we're not you know not leaving anybody anybody uncounted. Of course, it's probably possible to hit every single person. Sure. At, you know, a couple nights, but it's it's yeah. Is that we're we're trying an idea of how many people are truly out there, um, and so we can then you know try to create services that meet demand. Uh, and I think that's that's where we're stuck a little bit is that piece doesn't quite pick up um, enough to meet the need, or it's not from from our perspective over here at Loaves and Fish. It's hard to hard to see the opportunities um, being something that our guests can take advantage of. I yeah. I heard another figure, and I, I I forget what it was, but I think it was around forty percent mm-hmm. that of the homeless population people who have been previously incarcerated, that it's a fairly um, high number. And obviously that creates a whole different set of problems in, t- in terms of finding housing. Right. Yeah, it is, uh, you know, criminalization of homeless and folks who are poor in our communities is, is a very real thing. Um, and it is, it is very difficult for people to live outdoors without getting some type of citation and that could or potentially lead to jail time mm-hmm. um, for simply living outdoors. For example, right, right. you know, tying a rope to a tree or being a sidewalk or things like that. Sure. Not, I'm not entirely surprised. I don't think that the entire group of those folks, you know, they're not all violent offenders or no, felonies no. or things yeah. like that, you know. But there are definitely ways that um, folks that are outdoors or folks that are living in extreme poverty are targeted by the law. And that's, that kind of creates this perpetual cycle. Landlords run background checks a lot of the time. If you have really something do. on your record, they really can do. say no. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it can be pretty bleak once you add that into the picture for sure. Well, and especially if you're dealing with uh, the affordable homeless, uh, I mean, affordable housing, um, mm-hmm. where there are obviously more applicants for the housing than there are houses or, or apartments, 
then uh, right. that gets, you know, uh, and it's human nature. A landlord is going to rent to somebody who's more, more, more likely to pay the rent and more likely not to cause problems. Absolutely. Yeah. And all that, all of those, all those play into that picture on, on how those decisions are made. And it's, it's, it's difficult for, for people who have been homeless for long periods of time to re-enter that system um, and stabilize and, you know, not to mention kind of some other support services that they might in that situation. Just simply getting a landlord to offer a lease is hard enough. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think uh, recently I read about the state of California had uh, put some limits on how much, you know, how much you could charge somebody to get into an apartment, like first and last month rents and that kind of stuff. <laughs> and the numbers I saw, you, you, you were dealing at least with middle class and maybe even upper middle class. You're not dealing right. with the poor. They're not, they're not going to be able to put anything down on an apartment to get into an apartment. Right. I mean, we're looking at, you know, studio apartments in Sacramento going for on the low end $1,000. You can't put a family there. You can't, you can't put a family a studio apartment. Nope. Um, and that's, and then have to come up with two or $3 just to get their foot in or, or to be considered for, for an application piece. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's very difficult to go from being home straight to permanent housing. And I don't think it used to be. I think, you know, 20 years ago, it was more manageable for families to kind of through homelessness and, and get back into stable housing. Also for individuals, um, I think it was, I think there were more opportunities and less and more affordable housing that was available. That's just not the case anymore. A lot of that has flipped over to market raising. And, uh, you know, landlords can make more money off, off of that stability of somebody who's able and able to pay more. Yeah, I, I was reading about, uh, I think it was a billionaire in the San Jose area who uh, was a big landowner who has just decided he's going to turn it all over to uh, creating housing for the homeless, which I thought, thought that, was uh, a tremendous, a tremendous thing. Absolutely. I'll have to. I'll have to look that up. I'll see if that I can. Be, I'll see if I can. I saw yeah. it about a week ago in, yeah. in the Mercury News, okay. and I'll have to uh, forward it your way. Um, I thought sure. It was, yeah, I, if you come across it, I thought it was yeah. very impressive. And a lot of cities, including Sacramento, Absolutely. I know Portland, Los Angeles, Seattle, they're coming up with mm -hmm. various uh, sort of village ideas. You know, where they may still be tent villages of some kind, but they're more they're, they're they're safer there's actually they're actually patrolled they're actually fenced they're mm -hmm. um there are i i guess private corporations that are, you actually contract with who set all these things up uh but sure. and some of them apparently are relatively successful and have, have ma i guess made a dent in the um i'm not sure what they call them but uh They've they've made a dent in in the homeless population mm -hmm. in those cities. You know, I think that there's something to be said for privacy and dignity, and that many folks are that are homeless. But that's the thing they get the least of. So often, that's the thing right. that brave the most. And and some of these, um, you know, they're temporary housing because the idea is it's it's not something that that folks should be living in all the time, but it's not a bad in between option between, you know, kind of finding where, where it's safe and it's okay for people to camp or people to have, you know, a little uh, tiny home or bedroom or little, little thing in community with other folks who are going through their experiences. Um, you know, there can be, there can be a lot of, transformation and a lot of support that comes from those sorts of models and you know it's the community has to wrap around that and be okay with a little bit of trial and error as things come online um i think that's that's where we hit a few glitches in in the planning process but i love the idea of it I think it's a phenomenal thing and i wish i wish we could see more of that happening in sacramento and maybe that's what we can for for the future in fact, one one of them that I was reading about, uh, they actually 
had 24-hour food available uh, on site, you know, which, which was uh, to me just incredible. Um, and yeah. and, and the, the notion that, that it seemed like there would be really not just adequate but superior uh, security, you know, that you're not afraid mm-hmm. for your life in the middle of the night. Yeah, and what a what a blessing for those folks who get to live in a space like that and and you know, access services and transition themselves to something something more stable beyond that. But how amazing would it be for so many people? And what a way to show them that they belong and they deserve all those things just like the rest of us. Absolutely. Amen. Angela, real quick, uh we only got a minute or two. What 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 can our listeners do that you guys might have immediate need for? Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned before, the, the rains came, and so we're kind of always in need time of year of things like tents and uh, sleeping bags. It's, they can be used as long as they're in condition, and something like a tent, as long as it has all its poles and can function, we're happy to accept it. Um, new pay too, but we'll also accept use. It doesn't matter. Um, and then we're we're getting close to November. We're getting ready for our big thing feast right. for our guests. So things like turkeys, pies, stuffing mix, um, you know, uh, whipped cream, cranberry sauce, all the things right. for the Thanksgiving meal. And so we'd love to we'd love to see folks come through with things like that as well. Very good. Well, Angela, I greatly appreciate uh, all that you do, and God bless you and all the work you do there at Loaves and Fishes. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town uh, and throughout the Diocese of Sacramento who have provided underwriting for the Bishop's Hour. Uh, some in the last few years, some uh, have been with us for a very long time. If you would like to be an underwriter for the Bishop's Radio Hour, uh, it's a wonderful opportunity to to support this mission and also to support the diocese and also uh, to get some uh, recognition for uh, your organization or for your business. The easiest way to do this is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about Uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org.
It's right.